This is the weekly Parsha Shior with Rabbi Chaim Bravender of Atid and WebYeshiva.org. Recorded live in Jerusalem at Beit Knesset Haramban. Visit www.webyeshiva.org for live interactive online shiurim today. Okay, this week's shiur is sponsored by Batimeki Talmidim. In celebration of their daughter Nomi's engagement to Dor Ariel. <laughs> nice to have a celebration. Shuls are always about business. Always business and shuls. So, we wish them Mazel and Brocha. I even got a picture of the Hudson collar. It wasn't as clear, but uh, you could see what the future would be like. The collar had a rifle, and the uh, Hudson did not. <laughs> so, that's, you know. He's in the army. They're both in the army. They look like they're both in the army, unless they were dressed up for a masquerade. But I don't think that that's the case. Uh, I've, I've uh, done this uh, parasha many times. The issue, <laughs> the issue with Korach is to try to understand what he did. What did he do? What was it that motivated him and what did he do? And the Mephoshim try to figure it out because, curiously, the Torah is silent on the matter. You remember the Tzukim? Vayikach Korach ben Yisab ben Gad ben Levi v'tatan v'abiram B'nei Eliyav on ben Pelet b'nei Reuven. If in the third grade you would write a sentence like this, the teacher would like make a red mark, a big red mark around the teacher, and then, well, the third grade, I don't know what she would say, but by the seventh grade she'd say ellipsis, which I think means that it's like it has a beginning, but it doesn't have an end, this possible. Because vayikach korach, vayikach take, is a transitive verb. So you have to take something. So there's nothing taken in this portrait. Vayikach Korach, Datan Vaaviram, Vaonden Telet. So there's nothing wrong with the whole Pasuk. Right? It has a beginning but doesn't have an end. The second Pasuk says, Vayakumu Lusnei Moshe, Vanashim Ibnezach, Abishim Matan, Nisiei, Dakriyemu, Eidan, Sheshem. And they got up. They got up. Who got up? I guess all the people in Pesukiposek, Aleph, and more people, like lots of people. Uh, 250, in fact. Shame, important people. But what did, what did they do? Why did they do it, and what did they do? The Pesuk doesn't say. They all get together, this big horde of people, and they came upon Moshe and Aharon by Yomruelihem, Rav Lachem. So they had a Ta'ana, and the Ta'ana was Rav Lachem. You've taken too much, or you have too much, or you are getting too much, or something like that. Too much of something. Ki kol kidoshim Hashem. Okay, that's like a. The whole Eidah is Kadosh, and God is with the, in their midst, so we could agree with that. But is that a Ta'ana? 
is that an argument that they had with Moshe Rabbeinu? And then it says, Madu al-kahal Hashem. Why do you elevate yourselves, raise yourselves above Kahal Hashem? The last pasuk here is Vaishma Moshe Moshe heard and he fell on his face, which kind of means that he couldn't answer. The argument that that they said was so powerful, so strong, that there was no way that Moshe Rabbeinu could answer, could respond. Okay, so, so we're reading the Psukim. I mean, of course, you know, we always read Psukim based on everything we've ever heard about them in the past hundred years. But we're trying to read the Psukim in an objective manner. And objectively, it's not clear what the argument is. It's not clear what Korach and all of these other people wanted from Moshe and Aaron. It's also not clear what all of these people, why all of these people thought that they could do it, that they could rise up against Moshe Rabbeinu. I mean, Moshe Rabbeinu, after all, was a pretty important personality in the desert. Right? So that's what the Psukim say. I'm sure you could all think of other, um, other comments to make. We'll look at Rashi. The first thing that Rashi says is, Parsha Zoyefen Midrashit Bimedrash Rabbi Tanchuma. Which, uh, let, let's imagine that Rashi really said that. That this is really Rashi. You know, Rashi is, is, is also a combination. The, Rashi was a school. He, he had Talmidim. Some of his famous Talmidim were his grandchildren, the Rashbam, who worked on the Perushim of Rashi along with Rashi. And other Talmidim who also are given credit for various things that uh, Rashi said. Uh, let's say Rashi said this. Rashi said it. What does it mean? I mean, Rashi quotes the Tanhuma all the time. Especially in, in Breshit and Bamidbar. He quotes the, the, the Tanhuma all the time. So why would he want to say, why would he introduce the commentary to the parasha of Korach by saying, we'll go with the Tanhuma. But he very often goes with the Tanhuma. Unless it means that, you know, usually when he goes with the Tanhuma, he chooses it because it's Pshat. Or what he calls Pshat. What he calls Pshat. So, in this case, perhaps, he's going with the Tanhuma and those not Pshat. I don't know. I mean, this whole business of Pshat is already... Rashi himself says about himself that he is a Pshat person. Right? He says that. But having said that, it's not so difficult to analyze. It is difficult to analyze what Rashi thought Pshat is. Today, we sort of say Pshat is... uh, Not Pshat is what you say. And Pshat is what I say. That's... That's sort of like an estimate of shot. But in Rashi's time, Rashi had to distinguish between shot and drash in what Chazal said. Rashi said that Chazal sometimes say shot, sometimes say drash. And what I'm going to do, I, Rashi, I'm going to give you the Chazal shot point of view. 
He doesn't always do that. Sometimes he says that I have to add something. I have to add a drash. I have to explain something more. Uh, uh, Raji himself says that from time to time. So, it was Rashi, Rashi distinguishes Pshat and Drash, but <coughs> something we might call meaning. Like, the Psukim have to have meaning. And Rashi sometimes will say, well, a Pshat is not enough to get a hold of the meaning of it. Like what the message that it's conveying. And sometimes you have to just add to the pshat another layer called drash. Because in that case, for Rashi, the pshat, right, quotation, quotation, the pshat means the, the straightforward meaning of the Pesach plus the meaning of the Pesach that's in Chazal. He, he just puts it, he puts it together. Rashi himself thought of himself as being a pashtan. Right, and he lived in a world of Pashtanim. And so he was able to write his commentaries on the whole Tanakh based on that principle. But when it came to the Chumash, his respect for the Chumash and his respect for Chazal was such that sometimes he includes things that seem to us to be non-Pshat in his Pshat commentary, but they are actually Pshat. So I'll give you an example. I'll give you an example. Rashi says... That, that Shira Shirim is a metaphor. Right? You know what a metaphor is? It's like, it's like a code. Like you have words, and then they have some coded meaning. You know, and so that's a metaphor. And so Rashi says, all Shira Shirim is a metaphor. Isn't everything in a single pasuk? And I'll show you metaphor after metaphor after metaphor. Now, is that shot? I think Rashi thought it was. That's called shots because there is nothing earlier. There's nothing before the metaphoric comment. That's, that's the main thing. So here Rashi says, Rashi says, I could explain everything according to the Tanchuma, but probably he thought that this was shot, right? First thing he says, of course, is not according to the Tanchuma, right? It's something else, which he quotes. And he says, Vayikach Korach, if you look at the Rashi, Lakachat Hatzvah Litzad Echad Liyot Nechlak Bitocha Aidah Lorer Alakuna. How does he solve the problem of the ellipse, of the sentence that, that couldn't pass third grade? So he says, Vayikach, Vayikach symbolizes a sentence. The word Vayikach is itself a sentence, and everything following all these words are Ben Levi Datan Vaviran, etc. All these names are sub- is a subordinate clause. How do you how do you read it according to the Rashi interpretation? Korach took himself apart, and then subordinate clause along with Korach came A and B and C and D. Right, so you you figure out the words and the pronouns the way they should fit in. But that's how, Ra- that's how Rashi explains it. And then he says, then he says, And he says, My source, which for Rashi was Chazal. Right? Unculus and Chazal are the same for Rashi. Uh, Unculus was a Tanakh. 
and, and so his interpretation for Rashi is considered to be a primary Chazal interpretation. So he says the Etpeleg means I took myself. Like if you if you say that's what Hitzpael means. Well, you know, I'm always nervous about making rules because they never, if you make them, they never seem to work out. <laughs> the Etpeleg means that he took himself apart. He took himself apart. And then, he quotes several other psukim where the word etpeleg uh, uh, means, uh, or vayikach means that itself. Okay? That's the first thing that Rashi says. But we still don't know what the, what's the argument here. What are they all talking about? So if you look at the uh, first long line here in the Rashi, Ben Yisar, Ben Kat, Ben Levi, this is something uh, we know about this. We know Rashi is reminding us that that Korach is called Ben Yisab Ben Kad Ben Levi, but he's not called Ben Ben Yaakov. Why is he not called Ben Yaakov? Yaakov begs that his name should not be mentioned. In this machloket, shenemar bekalam al teichad kvodi. The pasuk Yaakov Avinu make giving a bracha <coughs> to Shimon the Levi. The heichad niskar shemosh al Korach. And where is it that Yaakov Avinu's name is mentioned as being the progenitor of Korach? Vityachasam al aduchan b'divrei amim in the book. Of Dibrei Hayamim, when the Levim who go up to the Duchan are mentioned, Shneema Ben Avi Yisav Ben Kars Ben Yisav Ben Kars Ben Levi Ben Yisrael. So, what is Rashi telling us? What is Rashi telling us that the normal thing is to give the the complete Yichus, which in this case goes to Yaakov Avinu. And if the Yichus is left out, the Yichus the Yaakov Avinu is left out, then that's because of special circumstances. It's almost as Rashi says, says that this had to happen. Right? That Yaakov Avinu foresaw that this had to happen. So if this had to happen, there's got to be something in it for us. I mean, there's got to be something good about it. Not good in terms of the act of Korach himself, but some ultimate idea. Otherwise, why would the Torah want to tell us about it? Why would Yaakov be concerned? In other words, Rashi is studying a stage here which he doesn't, he, Rashi, does not really take up on, but which I think for us is meaningful. What do you mean Yaakov Avinu? Yaakov Avinu is telling all of his children what is going to be. So this is what he has to tell Levi, that, that uh, some Levi will come Korach. What's he going to do with Levi? From, from Yaakov Avinu came Korach. It's not that Levi is a bad person. So, so he says, he says this, um, right, V'datan v'abiram. Bishvil shahaya shevet Ruvain sharu bechaniyatam teimana. Ruvain, in the in the setup, right? You know, they they encamped in a square, three tribes on each side. So Ruvain was teimana in the south. Shekain lekatu banav achalim teimana. Nishtatfu im korach bemachlokotam oyler ashab oyler shcheno. 
So you know, this is like Rashi says this sometimes. Rashi says, I haven't got a clue about why that Tanzabi Rabbi joined uh, in. Well, I hasn't even told us what the issue is. So how can I know why that Tanzabi Rabbi joined in? So he says, on the meaning, if you don't buy a house next to a Rasha, that's not a good idea. But in other words, Rashi, Rashi doesn't say that they had an issue. He says, he says something else. Mara Korach Lachlokim Moshe. Finally, we get to it. Mara Korach Lachlokim Moshe. According to Rashi, that Kanel Nesiutoshel Elitzavan Benuzi El Shemina'al Moshe Nasi Abein Eikahat Afiyadibur. This is Tan Chuma. Rashi says Tan Chuma. So Rashi says Tan Chuma fills in the missing missing historical information. Oh my Korach. So Karl said, My father had, well, there were four brothers all together. Amram was the oldest. Now, you have to understand. Rashi says that the Tanchuma figured it out. Because the Tanchuma says that they argue with Moshe Rabbeinu was on his civil authority and not his religious authority. It was clear that nobody could argue with Moshe Rabbeinu. Right? So what was it? What was it that they came to argue about? They came, they said, look this, there are four brothers. You, your father Amram, he got Moshe and Aaron. Now it's time for my father, and I should become the Nasi. That's what he said. So he figured that you could have an argument on Moshe Rabbeinu's political authority even though you didn't have an argument that Moshe Rabbeinu's religious authority. That's what Rashi, that's what Rashi says, and that's al piha hatan chuma. But if we go on in Rashi, we see that Rashi just couldn't let live with this. Uh, Rashi says, uh, here I am, Masa, Madikines, Masa. You see it's about halfway down in the wider lines, Nasa, Ahmad Vikanas Mataim Khamishim Rashay Sanhedra Ot, Rubam Vishavit Rubain Shainat, Behem Evitsuben Shteu Vichaveirav Chayotse Boshin Eman Siyeda Kriye Moed, Ula Alano Omer, Ela Kruye Aida, Vilbishan Tali Tolche Kulan Tachelet. Here you go. Vilbishan Tali Tolche Kulan Tachelet. So the Rashi continues, also based on the Medrash. Also based on the first point in Rashi was that, that the Korach was arguing against the civil appointment that Moshe Rabbeinu made. So there I say, the whole idea is that it's not an argument with his religious authority. But then the Medrash says in Rashi, quotes, He'll be shant He made them wear... Kalitot shekulan The Kalitot, like a, a cloak with four corners that was colored tchelet, which is called royal purple. Royal purple? 
Today, that's what they call it. Royal purple. The, the, the kings liked Tchelet, which is why Tchelet fell into disuse. Right? Because the Romans forbade lowly Jews from dealing with Tchelet. So we forgot where it came from. We forgot where, you know, how to make it exactly, even though things are being rejuvenated. Not everybody is in favor of the rejuvenation. But it doesn't matter. Yes, yes, no, no. So he says, Bauva Amdulif Name Moshe Amrulo Talicha Kulasho Tchelet Chayevetitzit Opsura. This is really amazing. They came, they all got dressed up in these purple robes, and you could just see the scene. It's like a be good for a Spielberg movie or something, you know. They they were all standing there yakking away and saying saying, What about this? What about this? Meaning the unique they all had decided after all. They all showed up wearing a talitra that didn't have tzitzit on it. I mean they didn't put on tzitzit and then go as the shaila. First, they did not put on tzitzit. And then they went to the Ezeshaila. They said to Moshe Rabbeinu, we're going to put tzitzit on our halukim, that are kulot chaylet. So, uh, well, they added the following argument. And then Moshe Rabbeinu, Amalehem chayevet. Moshe Rabbeinu said, uh, yes, you have to put tzitzit on a talit shekulot chaylet. So that should have been the end of the argument. However, they went on and they said, They were laughing. If you have a talit that is any other color, right, all you do is put in one tchelet string in it. But each, each of the tzitzit each of CTs, which are four strings folded over, has one string or one half of a string, depending on how you uh, pass it, which is tchelet, which is dyed tchelet. So he said, if you have a coat and it has four corners and it's any other color except tchelet, all you need is one string of tchelet and everything is fine. Our coats, our coats are cool of tchelet. How could it be that, uh, that it needs any tzitzit. I mean, how much tchelet can you have in one coat? So this was the argument. This was the argument according to Rashi. So, according to Rashi, according to Rashi, there were like two issues. One issue was the presidency of the Shevet, and the other issue, the other issue was this, this argument about tzitzit. Now, how did they have an argument about tzitzit? How is it possible? How's it possible that B'nai Yisrael, that B'nai Yisrael went and had an argument about tzitzit with Moshe Rabbeinu? I mean, who knows better, them or Moshe Rabbeinu? The whole thing is ridiculous. How could B'nai Yisrael argue a halachic matter with Moshe Rabbeinu? What's the... There's some kind of... The Rabbah says, the flaw. It's a kind of wondrous idea. I mean, how... How did Chazal think that B'nai Israel thought that they could get away with arguing a halakhic question with Moshe Rabbeinu? So the answer is, the answer is Now you know what a Kalvachomer is? Kalvachomer, 
the word that has to be used when you talk about a Kavachoma is logical. Kavachoma is logical. If it's true for A, then it's true for A+. That's a Kavachoma. Now, it's very difficult to uproot a Kavachoma. Because a Kavachoma, I mean, I don't want to go into the whole, it's true that the Gemara, some might say that it's not a Kavachoma, but that's only when there are conflicting traditions. The Kalvach Omer says you can discover things which are true in the Torah. That's what the Kalvach Omer says. But because the Kalvach Omer is logical, you have to remember it could also be wrong. That's the nature of logic. Logic, even though it sounds like a word that defines something that is correct, is often incorrect. But it remains logical. That's why it's hard to disprove you know, these kinds of logical conundrums because, because uh, it gets, you know, there's a certain level of sensitivity that people don't have. So Korach came and said, Korach came and said, look, Moshe Rabbeinu is not, he said two things. He said one thing that had political importance, and he had another, another thing that, that, was, uh, that was of religious importance. The thing of political importance that he said was, I want to be the prince, president of my shevet. The thing of, of religious importance that he said was, that maybe Moshe Rabbeinu is not like, you know, so sharp. He's not as sharp as he used to be. Now let's look at the Psukim again. The Psukim say this, Vayakumu Pasukbet. Vayakumu Lifrei Moshe. Right? They stood up against Moshe Rabbeinu. And Pasuk Gimel Vayomru alehem rav lachem. Rav lachem means, according to Rashi, you've taken too many positions. And you've given out positions to the wrong people. Ki kol kulam kidoshim uvetocham Hashem. Meaning that we can all ask in the Shaiva. We can all, this is how Rashi explains this is how Rashi explains that there was a two-pronged attack against Moshe Rabbeinu. One was that if you're going to make a, uh, a civil appointment, a political appointment, you have to go by the generally accepted rules. And the second argument against Moshe Rabbeinu was, was, kol ha'ida kulam kidoshim, hashem, meaning we can all learn Torah. It's true you had to teach us the Torah, but now we can all learn the Torah, and we can all make a kalvachoma. And if you don't agree with our kalvachoma, you can see that you that you're a little tarnished. You're not as sharp as you used to be. Somehow, the attack is on the essential part of Moshe Rabbeinu, and that answers the question that people have asked. You know that the Gemara says in several places. That that uh, the, the story of Tanu Shalachnai, the halacha, lo b'shamayim. The halacha is not b'shamayim, meaning that we trust ourselves. We trust ourselves, and even if a batkol will come down from heaven, that's the story in the Gemara. If a batkol comes down from heaven and says, Rabbi Lozer is is, is, ro- is ro- right. I'm sorry, Rabbi Lozer is right. We pass it against Rabbi Lozer because our majority is is right. Lova Shemayim. I mean, I hope I'm not just saying it too fast. 
Lova Shamayim means that there's some sort of principle which has been approved in heaven, which says that the way we understand it is right. And so if the Rabbanim, the Dayanim, the Rajik, the Sadakdola, the Sanhedrin, whatever body there is to make such decisions, makes a decision, Lova Shamayim, even if in some theoretical context, the Shemaim would disagree, even if God would disagree, we still do what we do and we are right. That's what, because that's what the Torah says. The words Loshma Shemaim are in the Torah. So that means, that means that Moshe Rabbeinu should have, should have proven that he's right and they're wrong. He should have argued. Right? So why didn't he argue? Why didn't Moshe Rabbeinu argue? When did he say, no, no, listen, I'll explain it to you. No, but he, no, he should always argue. You know, you, you paskin after you argue. So why couldn't he argue with them and tell them that, uh, that they, prove to them that they were wrong? So it could be that that's what the Mishnah and Pirkei Avot means. Right? What's the difference between the Machlokas of Hillel and Shammai and the Machlokas of Korach Vadatov? What's the difference? That the Machlokas of Hillel and Shammai should lower the shame Shammai. I'm sorry, the shame Shammai. Machlokas of Hillel and Shammai. No matter how hard they're arguing with each other, we assume that if one would prove to the other that he was right, it would be accepted. That's called the shame Shammai. In other words, I can have a position and I can, I can be very uh, uh, devoutly connected to my position. But if someone will prove to me that I'm wrong, I, 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 will, release my, I will release myself from that position. That, that's called L'Shem Shemaim. I want to find out the truth. I'm arguing in order to find out the truth. But the Machlokit of Korach Va'adato, they were not interested in the truth. They were interested in the Machloket. So if you're interested in Machloket, that's what Vayikach Korach means according to Rashi. That if you're interested in Machloket, there's no point in arguing. And therefore, when there's no point in arguing, the only proof that is possible can come through a, a miracle. can come through heaven. So that's, that's the L'Shem Shamayim of Hillel and Shamayim where you just keep arguing and arguing and arguing until somehow you find you have to pass and say, you do a very rabbinato, then that's fine. But it doesn't mean that you solve the problem, that, that the theoretical problem, but you solve the practical problem. Korach according to Rashi, Unculus, right, Korach means that Korach was not, that the, the, the person doesn't even tell us what it was about. Because it, it wasn't about anything. It wasn't really about anything. Okay. Now, what I wanted to tell you also is this uh, Meshiloch. Unfortunately, the Meshiloch on the sheet was... Is incorrect. <laughs> you know, I should do that. They said the story about you have Yisrael Salat. You know that story? It's a wonderful story about Yisrael Salanta. Yisrael Salanta, you know, he, he was trying to sell Musa to Yeshivas. Musa. 
meant, I think he meant that, you know, people should be more introspective, reflective about themselves, should be able to be judged, you know, who they were, what they did. So, he was, so in order to sell Musa to yeshivas, he would go to various yeshivas as a guest lecturer, and he would get up and he would give a shir. And the shir, because Rabbi Shosalanta was a great, uh, was a great genius, and a uh, great Talmud Chochem. So people always were impressed by the Shia. So at the end of the Shia, he would say, and you should learn Musa. You know, and that's how he, that's how he did it. He was uh, either very successful or very unsuccessful, depending on how, how you look at it. Today, in most yeshivot, most yeshivot, there's a kind of like uh, 15 minutes a day of Musa, where you can do whatever you want. So, uh, either that's a success or it's not a success. But it, it, he left an impression. So, once they say he was in the mirror, he came to the mirror in mirror. And he really, and he gave a shir, and he came and he wrote out, that's how you do it in yeshivas. You, you hang up, uh, you hang up, uh, from all over shots, you know, all kinds of odd sources. People look at it on the bulletin board and they say, ah, you know, like, too difficult or too, uh, too annoying. They don't usually uh, prepare. So this time, because there were anti-Musa people in the yeshiva, somebody took down the Marimakomot. They took down Marimakomot and replaced them with another list of Marimakomot where the mar- none of the Marimakomot had anything to do with any of the others. So the next day, Rabbi uh, Shul came in to give a shir. He went up to the podium, and somebody handed him the marimakomos from the um, from the bulletin board. He looked at the marimakomos, and he saw they had nothing to do with uh, they had nothing to do with each other, nothing to do with anything, they had nothing to do with what he wanted to speak about. And he stood on the bima and closed his eyes really hard for about a minute. And then he opened his eyes and he gave a shear for the Marimakomos that were that had nothing to do with each other. And it was a wonderful shear and everybody loved it and uh, agreed to 15 minutes a day. So that's, I haven't told you the story yet. This is the story. The story is that after the shear, his, one of his, the guys who went with him uh, came over and he said, oh, it was a great shear and this and I saw what happened. He says, but why did you keep your eyes closed for a minute before you gave the shear? So he said, I was trying to decide whether it would be a lack of humility for me to give the shear. And I decided that it was more important for Musa that I should give the shear. What do you think of that? It's a good story, right? I don't know if it happened to Rishon Salanta, but no one ever said that about me. And therefore, I'm not going to try to do that. But I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you what... what uh, I'm sorry, uh, thank you. I'm going to tell you what Rabbi Yisrael said. Uh, what the Mason Law said. Okay. I'm going to tell you what the Mason Law said. Uh, we'll look at the person. The Mason Law has this problem. In Pasuk, in Pasuk Gimel, it says, Vayomru alehem rab lachem, ki kol ha'izak kulam kedoshim nu v'tochem Hashem. You see that phrase? 
כל העדה, כולם קדושים, ובתוכם השם. He said, true or false? This is the Meishid Lach. True or false? <laughs> Let's say true. Let's say true. True? Korach said something that was true. Ki kol ha'idak olav kudoshim uvitocham Hashem. Profound or inconsequential? Sorry, so the patient also must be profound. Because if it was not profound, why would it be in the Chumash? Why would the Torah tell us that Korah said something that's not profound about the connection between Am Yisrael and HaKadosh Baruch What's the point? And therefore the Beishilah says profound? Meaning, what profound means that they understood something. These were not simply idlers, people who didn't know what was going on, but they were people who were able to say Kol ha'eda kulam kidoshim uvetocham Hashem. Umadua titnatsu al kahal Hashem. That pasuk caught the Meshilah's attention. And the Mabalesh says, he says this. He says, Ki ima ya rak misafa belakutz. He says, he says uh, the Torah would never say that uh, that Torah. The Torah would never say that Korach said it. Why? Why say that he said such a thing? He called If he didn't mean it, the Beishilo could not could not understand that for a moment. He must have meant it. Because to say such a thing, you have to mean it. Right? Because he's, he's going over all the boundaries. He's talking about Kedushah. Betocham Hashem, that God is in their midst. He must really mean it. He must really mean it. So if he was able to sense it, he must have been somebody of great significance. You know, I know what you thought of Korach before we said this, but according to the Meishi law, Korach is a person of great significance. So then he says, my Yachesro, no. So what was wrong with him? How come? Chesro, no, haya b'zeshini melo shekaso hurak rugzo de Rabbonon. So there's something called rugzo de Rabbonon meaning the anger of the rabbis. He says, you know, sometimes when you learn Torah, you really get angry. You're learning with somebody, you say, what, you don't understand? You can't understand. I mean, you're such a simple-minded fellow. And you get louder and louder. You walk into the base medrash and a big yeshiva, you know, everybody's screaming at each other. You think everybody's trying to get a good deal on a tomato in the shuk. Screaming and yelling, well, that's called rugs or the rabbana. That's an anger that comes to you because you want to know the truth. And you're so certain that you're closer to it than the person next to you, that you're yelling and screaming at him, trying to explain to him, trying to make your point. And he quotes a Zohar. And the Zohar says, 
that, that the Torah can make you angry. And therefore, Korach was under the impression, because he was so much into the Torah, that the way he related to what was going on was the truth. And he got angry. And he got everybody together. And so that the, the, uh, the, uh, Beishi law says, you know, it's very difficult sometimes to differentiate anger that comes from the right place and anger that comes from the wrong place. And even Moshe Rabbeinu, according to the Rambam, as you know, fell prey to anger. Right? The, the, the reason when he hit the rock, instead of talking to the rock, the reason he was punished was because of the anger. He was subsumed by anger against B'nai Yisrael. And that anger detached him from the Torah. He, Moshe Rabbeinu. And so the way Meshi Moach understands the event of Korach is that Korach was a great man. Korach understood things that other people did not understand. And therefore Korach was angry. Korach was angry that Moshe Rabbeinu was not able to deal with these problems. And so his anger overstepped its boundary and went beyond what it was that Korach really understood. And so, according to the Meshilov, the important pasuk is this third pasuk, Kol Kulam Kedoshim. According to the Meshilov, Kol Kulam Kedoshim means I, Korach, know something. I know something very profoundly. Kol Kulam Kedoshim Uvetocham Hashem. Who could say a thing like that? Only somebody who really knew it who really understood it, and that was Korach. Well, if so, how was it that Korach was fighting with Moshe Rabbeinu? Why was he against Moshe Rabbeinu? Well, because sometimes, Rutsa the Rabbonon, the anger that you have in trying to learn Torah, spreads out a little bit, oversteps a boundary, and becomes just plain, ordinary anger, and that's why, that's why Korach had to be dealt with, with a miracle. The miracle that Korach was dealt with was the Hashem. The next day God will make it clear to everybody that Moshe Rabbeinu is still in charge. Because only God could argue the case against somebody who said Ki kol ha'ida kulam kedoshim. So you see Rashi. Rashi, based on the Tanchuma, sees the issue of Korach as being kind of really people. People, uh, there's a Korach person, and there's a Moshe Rabbeinu person, and there's an issue, and, uh, and he, he, basically, he, Rashi, Rashi basically does not see this Pasuk, Kikolai Dakulam Kedoshim, as being the center of the issue. Whereas, according to, according to uh, uh, the Meshiloach, it all starts from Kikolai Dakulam Kudoshim. We're talking about the person who said that, who could say that, who might say that. Okay, have a good Shabbos.